Hello. Hi. And welcome to another episode of From, From the, the Lower, Lower Level. Level. I'm your host, Moshi. And I'm Patrizio. And Moshi, there's a lot of gold, but there was a lot of gold diggers. Oh, <laughs> nice. I like it. Um, That tagline, or not not tagline, that sentence is like new enough that I know where it's from. So I'm pretty impressed that I get uh, the relevance of that statement. But maybe for those out there who don't get the relevance of that statement, you might want to share it in this week's Word on the Street. Are we going straight into Word of the Street, Moshi? I, I don't have anything else to say. I told you my brain is mush. Well, Moshi, we had finally, I mean, it has been, you know, slated to drop days, weeks. Months. Real Housewives of Dubai trailer. Uh, I want to say that the internet was unsure, I feel. of. Oh. Yeah, I feel like there were a lot of people who were like, this looks great. And then there were a lot of people that was like, meh. Oh my gosh, I you know, like I didn't even really go into the politics of the trailer. Um, but I have feelings about the trailer too. So which side of the trailer fence were you on? Um I you know what? You know, like I feel like there's those three columns. It's like plus minus interesting. I mean interesting. Um Is that because you don't want to swing one particular way? I think um because I, you know what, you know what it is. Like, get I off the thought, fence, Patrizio. <laughs> I thought this was going to be the character show, and the trailer just didn't give me that. So, one thing that I want to say is that I know you've been recently watching Ladies of London, but when Dubai first, like, was first announced, and the whole Caroline Stanbury of it all was mentioned. Did you even really know Caroline Stanbury at that point? No. So what was it about the Caroline Stanbury hype that, like, made you excited specifically for her? Was it because of the way, like, people like me and other idiots were reacting? I think, um, yeah, look, I I think there was, you know what the hint was for me, you know, okay, so when Dubai got announced, I didn't really know who Caroline Stanbury was, I just, yeah, the hype was that she finally, you know, went from Ladies of London to now she's got Real House Dubai, it makes sense, yes, of course, they're going to choose Dubai because she's there and they can centre around her, her friendship group, or whatever it is, right? And then I've been watching Ladies of London and she is definitely, you know, she is one of the key protagonists, yeah. right? Um, and I will agree with you. I know we've discussed this offline as well, but I think season three really suffers of Ladies of London because Annabelle is gone. Correct. And it's weird how little Annabelle did, but what a large impact that she makes, right? Um, but I think the, tr- the that little teaser that we got, Caroline got a very big sort of part to play in that. And she was also wearing that really large, obnoxious dress, which I feel like was trying to tell us that she was going to be the moment, right? Because she was, you know, wearing this ball gown and all these other women are wearing these beautiful, like, tight, form-fitting dresses. So I think in my mind it was just like it was all going to be about Caroline. We knew that she had the wedding and obviously the wedding was going to be, you know, 
the probably the main event of the season, but I've just fallen in love with Chanel. Like I love Chanel. Is that is that who you told me you'd fall in love with the other day? Yes. I don't know. I literally don't know any of the other women's names. So she goes by two names. That's why. So she's so, Chanel or she's Ayan. Ayan. So you're the one. You're deliberately mixing up the names to confuse me now as well. Correct. Ah, you see, but you can't do that to me. I am on my toes about this. So the question then that I sort of have for you, or maybe this is more of a statement hot take, but do we think that like Caroline Stanbury is still potentially going to have a big part and is still going to give us everything in the show, but they have to give us more than one reason to watch, right? So, for instance, knowing that Caroline Stanbury's in the show is going to be a reason for those of us who love Ladies of London, which was a predominantly white show to watch. But then this cast is very diverse, right? So given that, like, um, The Real Housewives of Atlanta is on at the moment, could it not also be a strategic teaser to also get the black audience. Just an observation, Patrizio. Well, you know what? Out of the the thing I found most shocking was the seventh housewife of Dubai, Miss Phaedra Park. Park. Herself. <laughs> okay, so I was going to say that I was going to mention the Phaedra of it all, and when I tell you, so I am definitely, I think, on the side of people who felt that the trailer was a bit, uh, it was giving low budget. If I'm honest, it was feeling more Real Housewives of not, uh, like Real Housewives of Cheshire and not what I'd expect from an American produced or Bravo housewife show. So there's something about it that's still not giving me the same quality that I expect from Bravo. But when I saw Miss Phaedra for those two seconds at the end, I think I wet myself with excitement. And this is the thing. This is what's going to drag the people to watch this show is the two minutes that Phaedra is on episode seven of like a 10 episode. Oh, 100%. No, Phaedra is on like the last episode and the last five minutes of the last episode. Yes, we are all watching it for the scene with Phaedra. Um, and yes, I think you're right. Like Atlanta being on at the same time, Phaedra's on the show. Like it's it's feeling a little suspicious. Well, <laughs> I, yeah, you call it suspicious, and I'm like, it's a really clever marketing ploy because I suspect that they would have shown that trailer, perhaps like I mean, we don't watch it on Bravo, but it would have also sort of premiered like after Atlanta or something. But I think it's I think it's really smart. I think it's a way to not alienate the audiences because I know we talk about housewives being segregated but I also think the housewife audiences are fairly segregated um I don't like there's a, a lot of friends who I know who are new to housewives perhaps who you know didn't watch it from the beginning of the OC um or New Jersey tend to not watch Atlanta like if Beverly Hills is your introduction into housewife sort of uh, my anecdotal research, if you will, shows me that people who have started sort of from watching um, Beverly Hills tend to not watch Atlanta, tend to not watch Potomac. We know people sleep on these shows. So um, it's a shame, though, because they are still very, 
this they're setting the tone for the future of housewives in my opinion but um yeah I think it's good to get that perspective and of course your introduction quote is from this new Chanel Ayan icon of yours I mean she brought a new wig in every scene and of I, course before she's I, rich she, oh, she is very rich. The only exercise she wants to do is having sex with her husband. Like, I am on board with her already. Is it maybe? So, I'm calling this the Jen Shah effect, uh-huh. where we are so starved, so starved for housewives, for fun housewives. And, and this is really because of the gap in the market that Nini has left, that we cling on to any housewife that is giving us sass and is giving it to us. And I say this because that might be the way that I feel also about the latest housewife to enter Beverly Hills, which we will be discussing later on in the show. Do you think that we are so starved that all they need to do is give us these little snippets in the trailers and we already are like obsessed? No, I think the Nubian queen is here. And she's- oh, oh, I'm the Nubian queen. Thank you very much, Patrizio. Please do not be replacing me with these fake eyes. Not that <laughs> fake eyes. <laughs> I mean, look, some of the other women look interesting, um, but... The way you use interesting to mean so many different things, I can't. It's interesting, isn't it? <laughs> Uh, anyway, well, that's dropping, um, you know, US time for June, which I think means that it will be back to back with Beverly Hills because yeah. that's a Wednesday. Um, it's literally two weeks away. Yeah, like, I that was is just crazy that. to me. As soon as you said first of June, I was like, that's like a week and a half away, like not even two weeks. It, it is right around the corner. So, exciting. Definitely looking forward to it. I think, look. I'm interested to see what they can and can't do in Dubai because obviously I think there are going to be limitations to what they can actually film as to how they can act as well. Only recently, like, you know, removed the law that you can't be, like, publicly intoxicated in Dubai. Um, So, you know, like, it's a very different world. But I think that I know you want to move on, but I just want to say, I think though that Caroline Stanbury talks about that in the trailer. And I think just from the trailer, we've witnessed that they're doing it all, honey. Well, and I think that's the thing with Dubai is that, you know, it is obviously run by, you know, an Emirati royal family. It's an extremely conservative, you know, society. Um, you know, obviously Islam is the majority religion there as well. Um, but to entice foreign investment and people to live there and they've become quite cosmopolitan. Um, but then, you know, obviously you do get these situations where people end up, you know, in jail because they've broken laws thinking that, you know, they're living in the West. They have to be reminded that which is a very different part of the world to probably where a lot of these immigrants come from. So these immigrants, and I'm glad that you finally come around to this and stop calling them expats, these immigrants who have moved there who we, you know, are are coming from a place of privilege, but 
dare I say, are we also calling them risk takers? Are they taking one for the team? Are they facing persecution to their actions by being on Housewives? Is this the other theme, the other element of the heightened drama? <laughs> Fake idols. <laughs> anyway. Marcia, I don't want to say anything that is going to restrict my access to the UIA. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. All right. Okay. Let's move on. What else is, uh, what else are the streets saying? Because the streets uh, were talking. The streets were talking. I mean, we had t- two big um, stories this week of, of love and separation. I would say that one was big and one was... Mm. Well, let's talk about the mm first. I mean, we found out from the OC that Jen... And Ryan have uh, filed because I don't even think they're married, which is probably why they have to be. Are they married? I don't even know. Who, they who are is married. Jen? Is this her just getting her story life next season? The way that she's going to get another orange is outrageous behavior, really, from Bravo. Um, but, I mean, look, we all saw it coming. If you watched OC, you saw it coming. Yeah, well, I guess they just have to file for legal separation before they can get divorced, like Ashley Darby's done. Are they married, though? Yeah, I think they are. No. I don't know. I really didn't care to listen to Jen that much this season. <laughs> okay, so that was the meh end of a, of a wedding. What's the big one? The mess of it. Oh, Moshi. In Miami, I mean, we heard the rumblings last week that mm-hmm. Lenny and Lisa were divorced. I mean, we didn't even hear then. It was just that there was a long-term marriage that was over in Miami. And this week we had Lenny with TMZ or whoever it was touching and filling up this woman on the street and we found out that um, he released that statement through page six that he's getting a divorce through Lisa, which I think, you know, what it sounds like is that he announced the divorce before Lisa even knew that it was happening. Because, um, I mean, obviously she probably knew that they were separated, probably didn't know that he was about to take the step of divorce. It's messy and it's gross and it's going to end up on the new season and I cannot wait. I mean... Let's be honest, the writing was on the wall. I think the only, I do, I think like I feel bad for Lisa because she has been through it with Lenny. We know that their marriage has been troubled at many times, but that they, that the, the two of them don't even have like a friendship or anything anymore. They're two very different people. Um, that seem to have just grown apart. And, I mean, it's a shame because they have two children um, and they went through a lot to to be able to have those children. Like Lisa's body went through a lot, all of those things. Um, yeah, it's, it's, a sad, it's a sad end of things. But maybe then Housewives, you know, we've seen this happen before. Housewives has come along, right? So the it's like Carrie Grammer, like um, is that his name, Camille and what's his name? I can't even remember. Kelsey. Kelsey, but I knew it wasn't Carrie. I was like Kelsey Grammer. Um, like him waiting for the show to come so that she would essentially have a job, so that he would wouldn't feel as guilty divorcing her. 
so lovely of him. Well, as Lisa Runa would say, karma's a bitch. And Lenny is being sued for malpractice, and that came out on page six this week as well. So, oh, really? So, but okay. doctors, doctors get sued for malpractice, like, all the time. Well, you know. That's why they have insurance. Terry DeBrow sued for malpractice all the time. Oh, my God. Allegedly. No, no, no. They said it at the reunion. All right. Well, Moshi, it's another big week. Um, luckily, we are farewelling one set of these ladies because I don't know if I can do, like, this many franchises <laughs> in one. Um, but we're going to break it down. We're looking at Atlanta. We've got episode four. We've got New Jersey, the final part of the season 12 reunion. And we've got Beverly Hills. It's episode number two of season 12. But let's get into our lovely ladies of Atlanta Season 14, episode 4. Um, it's starting to get messy. Yeah, I can't believe we're four. Are we four episodes in? Did I get that right? It's the fourth episode, not the third episode? Oh, it's the third episode, Moshi. It is. I, yeah, sorry, my bad. It is the third episode. I, I, that was on me. I take full responsibility. Um, yeah, three episodes in and the mess is insane. Um, the way I look at it, there were two messes. So there was like one small mess and then one huge gigantic mess. And I don't know if you agree, but like for me, the small wet mess was the scene with Sheree and Marlo at the gym. I mean, the editors were messy. I think, yeah, I mean, I love when the editors or producers or whoever's doing those chirons and just like the way they were tallying up one um, Marlowe's exercises for all of three seconds, like making sure they captured each time uh, Marlowe exercised. But for me, it was messy because it was the exchanging of the bones, if you will. <laughs> the bone uh, exchange. The bone exchange. And, and I think, look, this is the thing about the Atlanta. This is the thing that Atlanta does better than any other franchise is not just the bone collecting but the bone exchanging because the bone started getting exchanged last week when Kenya was telling Sheree about the tea from the assistant um, and then in that same note they were uh, telling um, Kenya everything that Marlo had said about her like really starting to, to share the bones and then I guess the cross collaboration um, of the bone sharing this week which led Sheree to kind of be angry at candy so not angry at the bone collectors but going but angry at the source so spinning up a feud that I didn't see coming or I don't think I could have predicted I don't know did I say last week that I thought Sheree and Candy were gonna have a fight I think I did but like mm, maybe not I I have been I have been flagging the Marlo and Candy feud yeah you've been but I don't see that happening I really think the feud is Sheree is Sheree versus Candy and when we get to the big mess I I yeah I think Sheree is coming for Candy and I think the producers are fanning that flame. Um, do you think so? Do you think um, do you think that Sheree is doing this because of the Phaedra of it all? 
Do we all want candy gone so that Bajan comes back? Is that what we're all working towards here? So I, I don't think it's about candy being gone. I mean, you know that that's what I've been working towards and I'm not even on this show. But um, I think it's about candy just, just going under the radar, like candy not bringing anything, no storyline to the show. And I think there is a bit of hypocrisy that I think some of the women see in terms of Candy sharing bones or or sharing the gossip when she knows how damaging gossip can be. And I think it's that thing that Candy also sort of, I, I guess maybe in the eyes of the other women, is puts herself up on a pedestal. I guess there's like a lot of different things here. But I do think that when we see such a like specific feud like I look in Sheree's eyes and I just see candy written in her eyeballs and I think that that fan is being flamed by the producers and don't get me wrong I think that's a good thing (laughs) I think it makes for really good tv um but you know just to to get ahead of ourselves I believe Sheree is the one who starts the rumor that's mentioned about candy in this episode she oh, denies no. it, but it's so her. No, it's, you know who it is? It's you think Marlo. it's Marlo? <laughs> it's not Marlo. I don't think it's Marlo. It's Marlo. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I'm telling you, she's Marlo. <laughs> we're working up towards something, right? Because even at the gym scene, Marlo asked Sheree about raising children, right? Like, yeah, specifically raising boys. boys. I'm telling you that there's gonna be some blow up between Candy and Marlo over the, the. I think Marlo is gonna have some things to say about how Candy raises her children. I think that's where it's gonna come to. No way. Okay, so Marlo I don't even is see messy. What's yeah, okay, so number one, yes, Marlo is messy. And I just want to say that I just really love Marlo's mess. I love Marlo. Marlo is giving us the com- comedic relief that we're not going to get because there's no Portia. We're not going to get because there's no Nini. And Marlo is delivering that messy funniness better than anyone. I mean, just when she, she talks, when Kenya confronts her at the tea party about... Um, borrowing somebody else's white Range Rover. And Kenya says, I don't know this woman. And Marlo just goes, well, that's what the streets are saying. Like Marlo made it up and does not care. And I'm just laughing because the more I think about just the way Marlo, like it's a water off a duck's back. Like she is, and this, this goes back as well to the first episode at Let Archive. She is trying to pick trouble with Kenya. So I think Marlo is going for Kenya for all of the, the sound bites and the drama and Kenya isn't letting her have it. And so Marlo's just like, oh, okay, well, that one didn't land. I'll try again next week. And it's so funny to watch. You know, Marlo is an actress. All oh, right. If you yes. haven't checked out her IMBD. Her DBMI. <laughs> like, the way the producers were also just over Marlo. I just, this is the thing. This is why she's so messy. She's like, you know, honey, I am an actress too. I just don't publicize it like everybody else. 
I'm assuming you, like me, went and checked Marlo's IMDb. And there is Did one look at role. It? There is one role. There under, was three like... roles, but they're films that nobody can watch. Like, they don't exist anywhere. I saw one film, but anyway, oh. we digress. <laughs> <laughs> but she, I, think... I think she's trying too hard to be, like you know, a Nini or a Kenya. Like, I think that she needs to just, like, you know what, you got... I'm not saying, look, just because you got your peach, you need to be, like, just an adequate housewife, but I think you need to not do the most because I think it's going to, like... Do you not know who Marlo Patrice Hampton is? Marlo is extra. Like, in the dictionary, if you look up the word extra, it says Marlo Patrice Hampton (laughs) next to it. This is who she is. She's crazy, Patrizio. Anyway, I think, look, it's interesting that you think Sheree is coming for Candy because, I I mean, this week the tweets have all been exchanged between Sheree and Drew. Um, Well, that is the other feud that I wanted to touch on because at, at this tiny little mess at the gym, Sheree does admit that she did not pay um, she did not pay the assistant. And another shady thing that the editors did is bring up every article that has ever been written about Sheree not paying her bills. And I was like, only on Atlanta. Well, it was funny because um, Kenya was on Watch What Happens Live this week after mm. the episode. And, um, you know, it does come up, you know, and the questions asked to Kenya, like, do you think that Sheree has paid like her assistant? And um, gave a good good observation, I think, which was like, Sheree does pay, but she doesn't pay if you don't do a good job. So it's not whether she, like, if you do the job or not, it's if you do a good job up to Sheree's standard, whether you get paid. And that's clearly what's happened with this third assistant, that he just didn't do the job that she wanted, and so she refuses to pay. I mean, who going to check me, boo? Who is going to check Sheree? As Judge Judy would say, you eat the steak, you got to pay for it. (laughs) The way you quote Judge Judith Scheidland in this this show, like ridiculous. But let's move on then to the big mess, which is wild, but is also fitting. It is Brooklyn's third birthday. We're doing a tea party. We've seen this done before. Um, What's her face? Oh, my gosh. The way I'm having a brain fog and forgetting people's names. Um, Taylor Armstrong, we know, did the Mad Hatter's tea party for her daughter's, like, fifth birthday. I think somebody else has done a tea party before. But um, Brooklyn's tea party was interesting. I I thought it was interesting to see Kenya with the party planner, the same party planner who planned Cynthia's engagement party. But were you shocked at all about the cost and what you got for that money? I was. And, I mean, my thing was that, like, $20,000 is a lot of money to spend on a child who's not going to remember like you could, uh, I agree. If this is your sentiment, that you could have probably put on just a good a party for like five to ten k, 
which is still a lot of money for a three-year-old and achieved everything that she probably achieved with this party. I 100% agree. But, like, that's the thing, you know, it's been good for her, but it's just it seemed a bit extravagant for me. I agree with you, but I think I I suspect that it didn't actually end up costing $10,000, that that was more for show, Um, but also an opportunity for Kenya to talk about her divorce. And it was like kind of an interesting and subtle way to bring it up. Like, are you like, so Patricia, if I am planning an event, you're the party planner and I'm like, okay, so how much does this cost? And you tell me how much it costs. And then I'm like, well, you know, I'm in the middle of a divorce, like out of nowhere. It's like, okay, but the party still costs what it costs. Like Kenya bringing her divorce was left of center, very wild, but also it was good to get a little update because I had been curious. What about yourself? I mean, on that point, I have definitely actually been in that situation where somebody was exchanging money for services Okay, and they told me, that they were getting divorced and I was like, that's great. So are you going to pay your half? Like, <laughs> So is this, like when you say paying for services, is this like a patty after dark? Is this? It was a boner exchange. A what exchange? Well, as, you, as the ladies on Atlanta, exchange, yeah, I oh. had the boner exchange. <laughs> okay. No, I, mean, Moshi, I don't. That's, it's all no. Get your mind I, out of the gutter, all right? I don't understand. You're only paying. Somebody's got to pay their half. It was a boner exchange. <laughs> I'm trying to understand. I mean, I'm not going to sex shame you if this is another way that you're making money. No, a, I'm like good for life, you, Moshi. In another life, I used to work at a swim. Oh. It was time to pay for the swimming lessons, oh. and the, the parent came up to me. And I was like, well, like, it's time to pay the money for the lessons. And they were like, well, I'm getting, like, that's terrible. Where is the payment? Like, I agree okay. with you. That it's just sort of like, you got to pay the bills, honey. I don't care if you're getting divorced. I don't care you're getting married. I don't care. It's payday next week. Like, where is my cash? Well, you know, to quote Judge Judy, if you eat the steak, you pay for it. Did I do it right? Yeah, you did. Um, I mean, yeah, look, it was good to get the update. I mean, look, this man is trash. The way that he is, like, I feel like he's just holding Kenya, like, in this stagnant position where, like, clearly, like, neither of them want to be in this marriage anymore. Yeah. Clearly, like, they live in completely different, like, states just like sign the paperwork like she doesn't clearly need spousal support he does not need spousal support from her like just let it go and sign the bloody paperwork and now we found out i don't know we haven't mentioned this on the pod have we that he wants half of the house that kenya bought and built herself the her beautiful what does she call it i don't remember i only more manner more manner he wants half of more manner. Outrageous. It is outrageous. There's still a lot of things for me about that marriage that don't make sense. As you would say, it's interesting. Why? Or it's What's interesting suspicious. about it? 
I think, obviously, you know that I have a hate-hate relationship with Kenya. And I do think that perhaps she wasn't completely honest with him about why she wanted to marry him. I think they got married because they obviously fell in love and they thought this was it. But I do think that she wanted Brooklyn and when she kind of got what she wanted, I think things changed in the relationship. And I think that she potentially didn't keep up her end of the bargain. Is that a reason why he should make her suffer? Absolutely not. I do think that he is a grown ass baby. Like he's definitely a man child, allegedly. But um, I, I just don't always trust everything that I hear from Kenya. Um, you know what? I, I don't. I don't know if I subscribe to that. I think that you know. <laughs> I think the older click that you here get, to subscribe. Okay, Patrizio. I think the older that you get, the shorter the turnaround time for a lot of these things. Right? When you meet someone at twenty, it's fine to be you know engaged for five years before you get married. And we've seen it in with Teresa and Louis as well. Everyone's like, whoa, like, slow down. Like, what are they doing? They're moving so quickly. Like, these people are in their mid to late 40s. Like, they've already lived, you know, a number of time that they know how relationships work. They know what they both want. They're, like, at a stage in their life where they're like, this is good. This suits me. Let's just do it. And, like, the turnaround time is so much shorter. And I think that would have been the same case for Kenya. That's not what I'm disputing. No, but I think you're kind of sort of saying that they got, she kind of, I hate to say it, sort of sounds like you're saying that he got tricked into marriage because she just wanted to get the sperm donor. But she was going through those sperm donors every week. That's not also what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that I think that they did get married for the right reasons, but I think after they got married, things changed. And one element of that is that he did not want to be on that show and we when they do get they when they do get married, I'm pretty sure it's like um, Kenya did take time off. She was she left the show for a period, right, and then she came back. And I think that that was the thing for him that really did it. I think they did have an agreement about what their life would be moving forward. She would be in New York. There would be all of these things. Um, and I'm not saying that she's not allowed to change her mind. Of course, she's allowed to change her mind. Um, and that's why I'm also saying that he is, at, like, I think he is taking out his anger on her because he feels some kind of way. I just I just don't think that we, and we don't have to, but I just don't think we're getting the full picture of what has happened in that relationship. Um, I think more than anyone, Kenya is very, very good at showing only one specific side of something. She does it better than anyone. She, she's a smart woman. I mean, fair play to her. She is living her best life now. Well, anyway, let's get to the to the mess of the tea party because it it's you know what I found this episode really chaotic because I really just don't know like where we're going and what's happening. But anyway, this tea party, um, all the women arrive. Brooklyn makes her grand entrance, which. I was really confused because Candy walks in and I like thought 
that Candy's daughter was Brooklyn for a second there. Like, I was very, like, thrown. Do you think that all black babies look the same, all black toddlers? No, because the baby came in very upset. And I was just like, is this Brooklyn? And then I was like, oh, no, this is Candy. Candy's just arrived just before Brooklyn's. It was the editing. Little Blaze. not my fault. Okay, Patrizio, we know you think that all black babies look the same. To be honest, all babies look the same, so it's fine. And you know what? All old people look the same as well, actually. You kind of... Do you know that is true? There was a time where I used to think that I saw my landlord everywhere, always completely different Greek men. Correct. Correct. Everyone is babies and old people. It's in the middle that you look a little different. There's something a little bit different, but they were all different people. But I guess... You know, we I did sort of harp on about how expensive this party was, but we know these shows, they have to have an event. So other things, a chain reaction of events, a chain of events can occur, such as the introduction of a potential friend of uh, in Monietta Shaw. Thoughts? Um. I was confused because I think there was another friend, friend that of. was like mentioned and I actually kind of feel like somebody else got like the friends confused. Anyway, Moneta, like what a star, a star was reborn because I've heard that she was on the reality TVs before this. Yeah. Can I just say, I love the way you say her name because it's like, you say it so Italian and 100% this is, like, a black name. Like, it's a name that somebody is – it's, like, a combination of, like, seven names, you know what I mean? So it's, like, Monietta, but you're, like, Monietta or whatever. The way you said it was so beautiful. But, yes, Monietta Shaw, she has been on Hollywood X's Atlanta. She was in a relationship with the singer Neo for many, many years, and he psychologically abused the fuck out of her. He made her not just get her tubes tied, she got her tubes burnt. Patrizio, I haven't even told you that because he told her that he wanted to marry her and would not have any more children. And then you know what he proceeded to do? Have a child with another woman. A hundred percent. Have multiple children with another woman and dump Monietta. But that's, watch that reality show. It's fascinating. She's a really interesting woman. And I think we saw her hold her own when uh, the main mess, the main event, which is (sighs) this shady tea game. Now, is this the same game that they tried to play on Ultimate Girls Trip? I think it was uh, an interpretation of yes. Yeah. I think it was exactly the same, but it was definitely in in the same vein. So hypothetically, you have a child who is turning three. You throw them a third birthday. The adults have their own little luncheon. At the luncheon, Patrizio, are you playing a game where everybody needs to anonymously provide some funny shady tea that will then just be read out in front of everyone without being looked at first are you doing this but it's fun tea moshi (laughs) it's meant to be like i heard the, the streets are talking and they say 
Moshi still picks her nose. Like, that's what it's meant to be. How do you know like, about that? Like, Patrizio still sleeps with a teddy bear at night. Like, that's the meant to be the fun tea. It's not meant to be, I heard Candy sucks dick <laughs> in the locker room. Like, <laughs> I am telling you, but the thing is that I loved is that Candy picked out her own rumor <laughs> and just still read it out. <laughs> Candy is so good like that, though. You know what I love, though? I can't remember who it was, but someone was like, who said that? (laughs) That that was Sheree said that, I'm pretty sure. (laughs) No, actually, I think Candy said that about herself. There was like, it was several women and it was giving me flashbacks. (laughs) I love that you, I mean, I can see Marlo writing this, but I think it was Sheree. She is out to get candy. <laughs> but now, actually, now I think it's Marlo because it is just such a lie. <laughs> and nobody is, is more into just, like, lying and getting away with it than Marlo. The thing that I agree with, um, which I think it was Sheree that was saying it, it's like... Candy is so sex positive and I'm sure she has sucked dick in a lot of different places. <laughs> like, why not just be like, ha ha, it's funny. Like, what's wrong with the, what's wrong with sucking dick in a locker room? That's but, my question to you. But I think Candy said there is nothing wrong. She's just never done it. <laughs> if, if the rationale behind this rumour or whatever, this shady tea, is that it's like maybe it's something she's it sounds like she could have done and so they've written it like the law of averages is that she candy must have sucked dick in a locker room if that is like what this is based off of it's fun tea moshi it's not meant to make any sense it's just it's not meant to be like (laughs) i heard you cheat on your husband it's meant to just be like i heard you suck dick behind the gymnasium like well, I will just say, if Sheree did it, this is how I look at it. If Sheree, if Sheree is the one who posts that, it's like mean shade. But if Marlo is the one who posted that, Marlo is just like such a troublemaker. <laughs> like, I fucking yes. love it. I also just want to add the other highlights for me were Marlo at the beginning of the party sitting down with the girls and teaching them how to sip tea. <laughs> Number one, telling them to put their pinkies down because that'll give it away that, like, you're poor, basically, that that you're not well-bred. And I was like, she is teaching these kids who all have money, but, like, she's teaching them the art of the gold digger right now. Like, this is amazing. (laughs) And then the other thing was when, you know, this, like, little tea section gets a bit out of hand and one of the parents gets up and is like, this is a children's birthday party. The girl who was having a lot of fun at the beginning and then suddenly wasn't having any fun. And just Marlo narrating it, this and being like, Kenya, this is why you should never invite your white friends. While she's sitting next to another white woman and then looks at the white woman and says, but you're okay. <laughs> and just like, there was no need for any of that. 
But you know what? There was a need for it. Like, this woman, I don't know what she thought she was coming to. Like, in Real Housewives of Atlanta, not like... I, I don't think know. they were told that Marlo has a peach. I don't think people were ready for it. But, like, oh, just followed, like, talking to the other woman and being like, you're really good. You can stay, like... That other woman was loving it though. Like she had her child on her lap and was fully letting her child be part of the situation. But I guess the other bit of messy tea that came out, which is what we've all been talking about, is a certain someone, Drew, thought she would be slick and put in there that we know it was her that wrote it, that Sheree doesn't pay her assistant. And once again, I just want to say this. Drew is out like these she is out of her these women are out of her league like she's not at the same level as like Sheree Whitfield like please do not come for Sheree unless she calls for you like who's gonna check her you're never gonna win against Sheree and the fact that it then completely backfired and became this whole thing about Ralph being gay wow well no but like i think that's this is where i got confused right because i didn't was it monietta who like no but somebody jumps in and is like yeah the assistant is saying that like ralph is but then drew takes it as that person was saying just straight up ralph is gay yeah she wasn't listening she wasn't listening who are you to start like slandering my husband and accusing him of things. And then when it was like, no, 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 it's the assistant, Drew's face like completely drops. And that was like the gag. That was my favorite part when Drew was like, oh no, this is, is actual trash. Well, it's, it's, that wasn't for me, that's not the way I saw it. I saw it as like Drew got caught. And this is what I mean when I say like, like Drew cannot not play at the same level as these women. If you're going to have an assistant or a person be the basis of your receipts, you need to make sure that, like, all of that is clean. Because if they're talking shit about Sheree, you best believe they're going to be talking shit about you too. And Drew just does not do her due diligence. And that is the thing. That is why Sheree is coming for her because she's an easy target as well she can't compete at the same level as these women were you surprised by the rumor though i think he's bi and no i wasn't surprised oh i was definitely thrown thrown back by it i was not expecting that to be the tea that was spilt at the tea party and where you oh i i was surprised that that was the tea that was spilt at the tea party but i wasn't surprised that you know there are rumors that he is potentially cheating i think at this point we know that that's happened. <laughs> I mean, a cheater, yes, but with other men, um, I'm well, not Well, sure. now's your opening. And I didn't mean that as a part. Uh, well, that's a double entendre, isn't it? <laughs> um, and I just have, like, a question for you that also came out of this sort of, like, exchanges of messiness. This one happened between Kenya and Marlo. What's wrong? Like, would you ever own a used Rolls Royce? And by used, I just mean a secondhand Rolls Royce. Well, 
I think that this speaks to this whole thing of like, you know, who's who's really rich and who's like pretending to be rich, right? Because if you got money, you don't have to buy a secondhand Rolls Royce. You buy it straight from the like you can afford for it to depreciate the minute you drive it out the lot. Um, so I think there is an implication there about, you know, wealth. Um, but can I just say, if you're buying a secondhand Rolls Royce or a used Rolls Royce, you are also very rich. Yes, cars depreciate. Yes, but Rolls Royces gain value. Washi, this is, this is a rich people argument, right? These are rich people problems. But... Are they? I'm. I want to know where Kenya's money is coming from. She hasn't done anything since she landed on Real Housewives. Well, obviously she's got investments. Obviously, obviously. I mean, it's so obvious. Well, where else is the money? Ca- oh, she's got a very large credit card debt. I don't know. <laughs> or she's borrowing cars from her friends that she doesn't know allegedly. True. Okay. Well. I mean, there's a lot more crap that I could talk about Real Housewives, but I think it goes without saying that in this episode for me, the women have proven why they are the best at throwing shade um, and at not just bone collecting but the exchanging of bones. They do it better than any other franchise and it's the reason why I watch I will say the only thing that I am unsure about was that there is a lot going on right now and everyone is going off in a different direction and I just, like, don't know what, what's happening. But what do you mean by that? I'm curious. Like, what is not clear to you? I just, I feel like there was, like, way too many storylines happening and I don't know where everyone's heading and, I, like, there's just, there was a lot. Like, Sanya crashed her car. I don't know, like, was that relevant to anything? I'm not sure. Like, terrible situation, but, like... Like, why was that in the show? I don't know. Maybe for insurance purposes. <laughs> um, Maybe it informs something later on. Who knows? But, like, yeah, it's just, to me, it just seems there was a lot going on that also be like, I don't really know what's going on here. And I just want to also add another storyline that I think is fabricated for this show is the tension in Candy and Todd's relationship. I, I think in a similar way to Melissa and Joe Gorka. I 100%. Think I think it exists. I think there is probably some tension, but it's played up and probably to the detriment of their relationship that like, you know, where it would have been a small issue before when you start to play it exactly bigger, it doesn't sort of bode well. I also just want to say that I do think that Candy will eventually get an EGOT. I just think that they're all going to be for music. Like none of them are going to be for acting. I think she will write a song that'll win an Oscar. I think she will produce an award-winning, a Tony award-winning play. And I think once again, she will write um, a theme song for one of Todd's television shows that will win an Emmy. Interesting. That was shade at the end that I was throwing. That was meant to be a joke. I thought you would laugh. My jokes are off today. All right, all right. It's interesting. You know what's also interesting? Let's take a break. And when we come back, let's talk about this final part of the mess that was the Real Housewives of New Jersey reunion. And then talk about Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, which I thought was really good this week. 
And we're back from the break, Moshi, to talk the part three, season 12 reunion of the Real Housewives of New Jersey. I just want to ask, I'm going to ask the question that we usually would ask at this Are you okay. a treat hugger? Wow. No. The answer is yes. You're a treat hugger at the end of this. No. So you're team Margaret. Just because I'm not a tree hugger doesn't mean that I am team Margaret. I'm team Louie, <laughs> which is a whole new team, and I'm not team Louie. That's, that's a joke, but I'm team no one. Nobody yeah. wins on New Jersey. Oh, you're team no one, a.k.a. team Tracy, because she didn't even appear. That's ex- You know what? That is exactly the team that I am on. I'm on the team that has been cancelled. Imagine filming seven hours and none of it gets aired where you speak. <laughs> I mean... Were you silent or were you silenced? But do you want to be, like, just on the cutting room floor or do you want to be a Scala who gets a sentence and that's it? Like, I don't know what's worse. I want the sentence because like, if you don't speak, do you end up on the IMDB for that, for that episode? Do you get paid? Like I I want the credits, bitch. Well, I was going to say, was she in the credits? <laughs> that's exactly it. I want the credits. I've never really read the credits for any of these housewives before. I've- I don't even notice the credits. But I will be going back to read to see if Tracy gets a credit. (laughs) (laughs) It's that thing of like where you're only credited on IMDb for the episodes that you appear on. And I know you mentioned that there's like one part of some really bad editing where they weren't, where somebody has unsuccessfully tried to crop Tracy out of the image fully and we still see her. Or, you know, um, actually, and I noticed this was on Marlo's, um, Marlo's IMDb credits. You get, you get credited for being in the flashback scenes. Because <laughs> Marlo actually got credited, I think, for, like, um, Ultimate Girls Trip. Because I think there was, like, a, there was a flashback for her fighting, like, on Atlanta with, like, Kenya. Can I just say, I mean... That's fucking iconic. <laughs> I want to just be in flashbacks. I thought you were going to say that that was going to be one of her three roles on her own. Maybe. You never know. Not, um, not the Eastern European, like, vampire film that she, like, shot 20 years ago. What? I mean, whatever. you got to take the credits. The credits add to your resume, which means you can ask for more dollars. Well, um, I think this is pretty much the the sign that Tracy will not be returning. He's not coming back. Um, rest in peace. Rest in peace. <laughs> Pour one out for Tracy. Um, but this part of the reunion, I mean, look, the, the, main, the main thing was that we finally get the husbands onto set. Um, and we know that obviously the husbands play an integral role in New Jersey. Yeah. And... I actually think that it's a really interesting dynamic when the men do come on for this part because I actually think that, unfortunately, we do get a lot more clarity in the arguments between the, all the 
and it makes much more sense um, because the men are just, I don't know, perhaps a little bit more emotionally removed from the situation that they can be a bit more just... You know. I think Joe Gorga has shown us that the men are not emotionally removed from the situations. Um, well, he's a little bitch, so... He's a little bitch boy. I, 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 I think the men who cause drama on the show are just as invested in the the theatrics of the show as the women are. So, you know, like Joe Gorga is so heavily invested. I think though there are some other men who know how to handle themselves come reunion time. So Evan, Bill, um, they know how to behave. Even Big Frank, like he knows how to behave. You know what I mean? Like, and, and I think one of the things that I often actually realise when I watch the reunion is that, the majority of the men are really reserved on this show. Um, they are quiet. It's just, I guess, the way the show is edited, we only see them when they're drinking and when they're rowdy, right? And this is not that same environment. Well, I, and I think, though, the other thing is that obviously Israel housewives, and I think more often than not, the housewives are more of a larger personality than the husband. They're 100%. The, they are the the more outgoing one. They're always the more the egotistical, the ones that, you know, they want to be on the camera. A lot of the men are not there because they want to be on camera. They're kind of like being brought along for the ride. Um, I will say, though, that, like, Joe Gorgo's ass was hanging out in this, this part. I think, if anything, it was the misogyny, um, you know. Yep the comments that he was making about, you know, women and how women behave and he's just trash. It's really gross. I mean, I agree with you. I think though, when I look at all the husbands on New Jersey, I think all of them understand the time and the place of it all. And I think, you know, Joe of all of the men there, Joe is the one that is the most invested in being dramatic, right? He wants we know they don't have a storyline. He needs to have this feud with his sister to stay on the show. But you can have a feud with your sister without the toxic masculinity, without the, like, just the pig behaviour. Like, you know, have the fight. Like, don't agree with your sister. But it's just so deeply rooted in, like, all the worst things. So my question for you is, is that some is that part of the appeal? Is that perhaps why they keep him around? Because they want him to show his ass. Do you think on some level, you know, we need to see Joe act like an idiot? It's the Ramona Singer of it all, isn't it? It's the, unfortunately, the most toxic ones are sometimes the best TV. Um Look, I don't think they're all not, you know, innocent of it either. I think there's obviously, like, New Jersey does sort of give off much more toxic masculinity than perhaps some of the other husbands that we've seen. Perhaps we don't get to see enough of the other husbands for us to really see it either. Um, I I want to just also, though, add to that, that I think so much, like, there is the toxic masculinity, but the women on New Jersey in particular... Um, what's the right word? They, um, 
encourage it like they don't dissuade it you know what I mean and and condoning that yeah they don't condone it but like I just thought it was really interesting to see how confident Melissa got and was using terms like you know I don't love Jennifer Aiden but to say to Jennifer Aiden you brought it on yourself you were asking for it like whenever I hear the phrase you were asking for it aimed at a woman or somebody who does not identify as like a man or um, cishet, to me that phrase is so imbued with slut shaming and so many other horrible ways that we put women down that for me I'm like the fact that that phrase comes so easily out of Melissa's mouth, she's just as bad as Joe. I 100% agree, but that's why obviously their relationship works because they're just as bad as each other. And the mean, the delusion of it, we didn't mention it in the word of the street, but yeah. I mean, on her podcast, which what's it called? Mentioned on it display. All, on display. On display. Yeah, how disgusting they are. But you know, like the two of them there that are like, you know, trying to like play this game of like, we are the reason why Teresa can put food on the table after she went to jail. It's sort of like... They owe everything that they have to Teresa. Correct. And it's sort of like, even if that is true, okay, like, which we know that it's not, because they literally put the show on hold for Teresa. It wasn't that Joe and Melissa were somehow doing some fake season that no one ever saw. Like, even if it was true, why would you say that? Like, why, why would you bring that up? Why would you put it out into the universe? they're just trying to cause more drama. They don't even want the drama to end. And and that's the thing. Melissa sees that as a part of her job. When she brought that up with the social media last week, she sees it as an extension of her role on the show that, to you know, things have to keep moving. This has to be drama and she has to say it. I, like, you know... Teresa, I don't think she's completely innocent either, right? Of course. In this relationship. I think they have a strained relationship and they have for years and we've seen it play out on the TVs. But I think Joe and Melissa, there's something, there's something wrong up there. Oh, what's going on? A hundred percent agree with you. Um, and to me, it's part of what makes New Jersey unwatchable. I also want to say, though, that on the back of your comments last week that Teresa sees in Jackie and Evan's relationship and how there's some toxicity there that she identifies with, I was watching Evan talk about Jackie this week being like, is this it? Is this the toxicity right here? Is this what's happening? What's going on here? Because I was a bit like, you know, because you know how he was like, I, like, should have done more earlier to help her with her eating disorder journey. And I was like... I just think that their relationship is not all diamonds and rosé, to quote the quotable book itself by David Quinn. I just think that much in the same vein that Jennifer Aiden has tried to portray a perfect relationship, I think part of the rumour coming out last year, which was ridiculous, it affected Jackie because I think her marriage is one of, and this is why I think the rumour was so powerful, her marriage is one of the, the, the things that she has that's different from the women that I guess she prided herself on 
and the idea that anyone would would threaten that it's it's horrible like I think it's a horrible feeling I think the way people do this to each other like it means nothing is is gross um but I do think that you know not that Teresa is threatened by Jackie which I think is what Jackie would like to believe but there is just I just think that Teresa can see what we can't see it's like okay this is gonna sound really dumb but you know like in Harry Potter have you watched the Harry Potter movies yes Okay, so you know when um, they can see, you know how only people who have witnessed death can see the Thestrals? Right. I think it's the same thing that when you've gone through a specific kind of trauma, you can identify it in other people. And so I think that Teresa went through something so specific with Juicy that, like, she can smell that shit on anybody else now. You know what I mean? I mean, look, I thought the Judge Judy reference was a little bit of a long shot for this podcast. <laughs> but I that we just got a Harry Potter reference. I'm stuck on that. I'm sorry. I didn't hear anything beyond Thestral. <laughs> I'm just saying. So the thing about the Thestrals is you can only see them if you have witnessed death. So not everybody can see them. And I think that that's the same thing with some with some relationships or some traumas. Like, you know, they often say that, like, this is horrible, but, like, abusers can spot and somebody else who's been abused from miles away. Totally, yeah. And that's what I'm saying. I think this is that similar thing. I And I just think that to, uh, that's why it's so heightened with Teresa. And I think that's also part of her reason for protecting Louis is because she is so she she's so determined in herself that she can smell a rat now that like she is so positive that he's not a rat that like anybody sort of threatening her her assumption of this relationship she's going to come for them well let's talk about the redemption of louis is, is that, that what this is the redemption do you think he was redeemed I, you know what, if he wasn't redeemed, what he did have was a voice where he was actually able to respond. That's what Teresa did. Teresa, unfortunately, and it worked against her, muzzled Louis all season, did not allow him to respond to any of the the topics of discussion around him. And his life and the choices in his life and the relationships that he's had and all the rest of it, right? And it unfortunately backfired on her. It backfired on him. And Teresa needs to double down on all of it, which is why it just like kept perpetuating. And it was actually really, really sad to hear that he had been you know, terminated from his role in his own company that he had founded. Um, because there was so much bad publicity around him that obviously, like, you know, it was impacting the business. Like, I, a very unfortunate. And, but that's the game, right? Like, you know, Teresa, and Teresa keeps going back, to, well, this is Margaret's fault. And, like, yes, I think it is Margaret's fault <laughs> to a point, to a point. Because Margaret just didn't let it go. Like, Margaret could have at any point been like, and if it was coming from 
a good place, right? Because that's what Margaret says in this episode, right? She was trying to do the PR for their relationship. She was trying to be, you know, give give him a response. She was going to, like, turn the public opinion, um, you know, and I reckon that's, one, it's bullshit. But two, I agree. there's a certain point that if that is your good intention, because you've got pure intentions going into this, Margaret, there comes a point where you go, right, I'm trying to help you. You clearly are, you know, not requiring my services. You are beyond help. Good luck to you. Like, see you later. Have fun with that. You know, everyone's going to do different it. things. And leave it. And yeah. she could have done that in episode three. But no, she didn't. She kept it going and she didn't, she didn't have any other storyline going for her. And I, I think the other thing was that with, Jennifer, I think, you know, she said in this episode, she was, she thought Jennifer's reaction was, like, not true. She thought she was, like, making it up or whatever it was. Yeah. And when she actually realised that Jennifer was, like, you know, not okay with what had occurred, then it was, like, oh, apologies and all the rest of it. But uh, I don't know. Obviously, Teresa, you know, she's still butthurt about the pulling of the hair from Danielle which Teresa again denied that she had anything to <laughs> to with. The way <laughs> Teresa does not ever see the hypocrisy in the things that she says is wild to me. It's not even that. It's the way that Teresa forgets that it was filmed. Like it's <laughs> on camera and she's mic'd when she says to Danielle, yes, do it. Do it. Like, yeah. like can I um tell you something, Patrizio? The Louis of it all has been weighing on my chest a little bit. And much in the same way that I have the random epiphany of Teresa seeing something in Jackie, I have another epiphany, if you will, another deep insight. It's like I go into another dimension and I come out of that dimension with a new perspective. I think Louis wants out of the relationship and is in so deep that he can't get out of it. And that the reason why I think that is, mind you, I watched this, I actually watched the reunion three times, if you can believe that. It's when somebody goes in that hard to protect you I just felt okay it's great he redeemed himself he explained some things but he went against Teresa several times on the show and threw her under the bus in a way that I just can't imagine that she was pleased and in a way that he totally knew what he was doing while he he the fact that like he totally exonerated Margaret he did but then said you know that's what comes with being Teresa Judice's girl like why are you using her first name and her last name like for me and I'm not a tree hugger but I think it's because of my, where I do align with Teresa is on the Taurus nature. Okay. And 
the way she is so when she is loyal to someone she is so loyal like the fact that like even just the fact that she was still blaming Margaret for everything after Louis has exonerated her like the way that she just went in and the way he just threw her under the bus like he is trying to start a fight he is trying to start a reason to get out of this he is giving himself a plausible reason to end this relationship i think it's a hot take but i don't i don't subscribe to it you don't need to subscribe the way you think that i'm on youtube and you can click and subscribe to my opinions you don't have to subscribe but i'm just telling you what my third eye is seeing patrizio the the only thing i think he would be trying to get out of is filming on the real housewives of new jersey but he but now he's stuck because he's he's caught between a rock and a hard place he's been fired from his company right he needs to continue to make an income. Like we know that Louis is rich. So he has no choice but to be on the show now because the show will pay him heaps of money and he's a businessman. I just see all of this not being good because now he has, he's potentially going to be in a position where he has to completely align himself with Teresa and be on the show or he has to completely step away from Teresa and have nothing to do with her. I I just, I disagree. I think that he is, I think he's really trying to work with her. I think he's really trying to make her understand <laughs> things a lot more. I think even, even like he was whispering as he was leaving the set and he was like whispering to Teresa, like, don't make yourself look bad. Like, don't make look us look bad. Like, you know, I think he cares. But you know why? Because now he's part of the brand and he has no choice. He is trying to change the brand because now he's part of it because he's stuck on this show, Patrizio. Trust me. Uh, you can't change Teresa Judice. I know that, but I just, I don't, I don't see it. I just, I think that he really loves her. I think he cares about her. I think that, you know, I think he's got a lot more, you know, I, emotional intelligence than she does. Most people do. Um, I don't, a rock does. Um, I don't think, I'm not disputing that he doesn't love her or doesn't care about her, but I think that he is perhaps thinking that he has moved too fast. And now he is just doing really good PR. And I know that's really cynical and stuff, but it comes from, I guess, from the tree huggers is where I've gotten this from. Like nobody puts Teresa Judice in a corner. Like he picked fights on this reunion. And you're right. It is, I guess, my hot take. But I just, I don't know where these hot takes come from. It's like truly like I black out, I go to another dimension, I come back and I have seen a whole other situation. I also have another one of these after watching this show again for well, the you third watched time. It three times, so you had <laughs> enough time to create your own. Yeah. The only thing I will say on this final, just that final thing with this, is, uh, 
I think the other thing really here as well is that they have very different expectations. And it was interesting to hear that his idea of a wedding for his, you know, second wedding or third wedding or whatever he's up to is to have it like Sex in the City style, go to a diner, like, you know, sign at the town hall, then go to the diner, just nearest and dearest and the rest of it. But she's Teresa fucking Judice. She needs to have the... And, and the problem is as well that he has also given her this is the grand gestures. She wants yeah. the fireworks. She wants the the wedding in Italy. She wants the gondola to arrive and the like helicopter to leave. She's one of those girls that wants to have like, you know, the, the flying fox into the wedding like ceremony, right? Like her children aren't walking the down the aisle. She has got like a jet pack that she's um, arriving for by. Those listening who are not in Australia, flying fox into the wedding is a zip line. We call them flying foxes in Australia. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for translating Moshi. Um, what's your other hot take before like, we try to land the ship i just want to say um on the sex in the city thing my favorite is when they cut away to like frank's reaction and the thing is like i'm not an idiot i don't necessarily know if that edit was frank's reaction to that comment but it was like the best reaction like frank is just like rolling his eyes like the, you just know frank is like not this fucking guy like, <laughs> i fucking love that Okay, so the other thing that happened to me when I went into the other dimension and I came out the other end is about Bill and Jen. And you know how we, you know, the husbands were on, Bill spoke about how he feels about the affair and he said, you know, the truth will set you free. So it occurred to me, considering that they had made a pact that they were going to deny, 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 should this ever come out, that I think that Jen enjoyed having this over Bill. So I think part of the reason that she never wanted it announced, because look, it's like water off a duck's back, like they're fine. But I think the reason that she never wanted it out is because I think that she's been using it for leverage against Bill throughout their relationship. I feel like this seems more plausible. You believe this thing. Okay. Okay, Jen Anon, come through. (laughs) And that, like, it's part of the thing. Like, do you know, like, they, she has a, she has a hard life, don't get me wrong. But, like, Bill has never asked her to get a job or asked her to do anything, really. And I think that that's been her scheme all along is that anytime he steps out of line, she uses the I stayed with you when you cheated on me because it's so calculating to me that Bill's mum knew, right? And nobody else, right? Like Jen, the way you're nodding, so you agree Jen, with me on Jen this. Jen called Bill's mum. The first that was the first phone the call. first phone phone call. If Jen was in jail, the first call she would make would be to her mother-in-law. Exactly. So she called the mum because she knows the mum is going to be on her side, and with the guilt, but also, but also like his family would be against the possibility of a divorce or a separation because she wanted to hold this. And I actually think that Bill is so fucking relieved it's finally out in the open because she can't hold it against him anymore 
Yeah. Do you believe that? She's, <laughs> that weird. You know what? I can just see Jen telling Bill when he asked for a blowjob to be like, why don't you go ask the farmer rep to give Thank you the you. fucking blowjob? Thank you. It's interesting because, you know what, this theory makes a lot more sense <laughs> than Melissa's theory where she was like, Jen, I think you need having, like, this rumour out because you finally got your, like, your vengeance kind of thing. That, well, like, I think you know, that's part of it. I think she also did enjoy that he went through the ringer. I think she enjoyed it went through the ringer, but she will now not enjoy the fact that he is now liberated. Correct. There is nothing anymore. So I don't know. This was another one. Like fully, it's like I hear this bing, I go to another world, I come back, and this is what I've seen. I am willing to (laughs) subscribe. (laughs) Yes. Ding, 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 ding. ding, ding. (laughs) Click and subscribe. So, yeah, I think it takes three viewings sometimes to get to the bottom of these things. Mushy, that is a hot take. I can subscribe. You know what I have to say about your other hot take is let's see what happens first. Marlo fused with Candy or uh, Louis leaves Teresa? Louis is never leaving. That's not what I'm saying. I am telling you, he is in too deep. He's, like, got to play the long game now. But I think he will also throw grenades to try and activate her to give him a reason. Because, look, we've heard he's given us a lot of reasons about why these women did what they did to him. But when there's a pattern like that, come on, come on. There is something not quite right about Louis. Well, Moshi, my final question to close this out is, is being called Buzz Lightyear truly an insult? Yes. I don't know. I think um, Buzz Lightyear is, like, hot and thick. I don't know if I've ever talked about me. This might change the course of our entire friendship. We might lose all of our listeners after I make this statement. I do not care for Toy Story. I do not care for any of the characters on Toy Story. I love Tim Allen, but Buzz Lightyear is the most annoying character on animated television. After I watched Toy Story when it came out, like I was there when it came out, I almost gave up watching any sort of animation. It turned me, I was a child then, it turned me off animation. I hate Toy Story. (laughs) The way that I thought the confession (laughs) was about to be, I don't, I can't, I can't with this because... I don't know who Buzz Lightyear is. I have a toy called Buzz Lightyear. No. <laughs> well, <laughs> just ruined all toys for me. Just that phrase. Like, you don't understand. Like, <laughs> I, I, I know, you know, Toy Story is all about friendship. It's all about love. That whole song, You've Got a Friend in Me. Like, I can get down with the music. I don't mind Bo Peep, whatever. I like Slinky Dog, whatever. But I really hate 
um, Toy Story and one of the big reasons I hate Toy Story is because of Buzz Lightyear. So I know that when Frank calls Paul Buzz Lightyear, it's an insult because I get it. Okay. The way that you and Frank Tanya are now. You You know, I love bulky men who don't have balls anymore because of all the steroids they've taken. That, I believe. Um, not about you, about Frank Ketter. Oh, but I was going to tell you, I have, that's a whole other podcast, but you should believe that about me. <laughs> well, Moshi, let's move across into the final part of this episode, which is Beverly Hills. It's episode two of season 12. Um, and... There are really only two things that I want to talk about. The two, the two main events of this um, episode, and the main one is Harry Hamlin's seventieth birthday. Um, you know, we were going to postpone it because Dorito was held at gunpoint, but we don't do that in her culture, so we are holding the event. Lisa has organized the dinner with the spaghetti bolognese. Why 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 are we doing this when there's clearly it's just it's just a dinner for the housewives, let's be real. Can I just tell you the way Lisa Rinna does not have a storyline or a personality. Her entire personality is Harry Hamlin. She does have a storyline. Her storyline is everyone except for herself. I don't, I don't know. So I just want to say two things. One is that I really enjoyed this episode. Like just generally watching an episode, I found it thoroughly enjoyable. The second thing that stood out for me is the bias towards Rina and Kyle and the fact that they can literally do nothing and they get too much airtime. Go on, girl, give us nothing. They they shot they shot the two of them out for food just so Kyle could tell us that her movie was number one at the box office. That's like over a year ago now. Like who cares? It's it's Icon supporting icons. You know what? <laughs> I know you just laughed and then did like the BBL giggle, but like <laughs> that is that is literally yeah. I mean, this is not a visual medium, so the people can't see you doing all those little BBL giggles. But like, and if you don't know what a BBL giggle is, look at what the BBL wave is on TikTok, and then you'll understand what the BBL giggle is. But like. That's really what it is, except for the fact that Kyle isn't an icon. And that's, and that's the issue that I have. I will say that Rinna, whoever is styling Rinna this season, like her fashions are on point. So I do enjoy watching that. But Harry Hamlin's 70th birthday, I don't know about you, I thought it was going to be this huge party Their kids are there. Everyone's there because Harry's turning 70 and it was just fucking dinner with none of their friends, just the housewives. Well, look, 
first of all, Harry Hamlin does not strike me as the kind of person that's going to want like 200 people in a in a venue to wish him a happy birthday. He seems like, you know. I agree with you, but in the past, they have thrown those parties at their house. Like, that's what they do. They do a garden party outside. Well, Moshi, the other thing I will say is, and we do, I, the only reason why I I can remember this was because the women talk about how much they don't want to wear their masks. They are still in the throes of some point of the pandemic, right? So I don't know whether in California has always had more stricter measures than some of the other, you know, states in the U S. So, you know, is it that they can't have more than those people at the venue? Was there even anyone at this venue other than them having dinner? Like this, like, you know, it could be for, Look, I'm not this way. I think it would have been I think it would have been this even if there were no there was never a pandemic. I think Okay. But I think there might be other factors at play here. I will I will I will take your factors. I'll subscribe to them. Um I mean it's just a dinner for the housewives and a way for us to be introduced to a new housewife as well, right? Um I will say that, you know, in the car ride to the dinner party, um, I really did not enjoy Kyle telling Dorit that being a real weirdo the day before about the robbery. Um, I mean, this is classic Kyle behaviour. Yes, it is. The pot and dropping dropping the bombs. But I think, like, this hits differently though because like Dorit was literally held at gunpoint three days earlier like are we really gonna say to Dorit in the car ride where she's about to see Sutton that Sutton was like kind of unfazed by it all two days later because if we can believe the timeline that we're being shown there is the night that Dorit is held hostage at gunpoint the next day they're all at Kyle's house that evening the next day is Harry Hamlin's birthday. So we are three days. Not even. Yeah, like essentially three days. It's just, it's honestly wild. And, and yeah, I don't like it. And even PK's like, I wish you didn't tell me that. Well, I would have thought of all the people who have had to deal with the way PK reacts to information, Kyle would have learnt her lesson. Because, I mean, if there is one sort of house husband who has kind of reformed himself a little bit, it's, you know, Paul Kemsley, you know. PK was, is, was very similar to Joe Gorga. He likes to, to get in and amongst the women's business. And we know that he cuts deep. Like, we know even just him and Mauricio talk joking about Erica Jane last season, it was PK who started with the jibes. Like, PK likes to jibe. But he he could – I just think that it is dangerous to arm PK with any sort of ammunition. Well, Kyle knows what she's doing. She doesn't. Doesn't she? I think she does. Because you know what? In this whole thing, you know – LVP was the one that was the puppet master all those years. And then it's sort of like the show, but somehow they're still like 
mayhem afoot, and it's like, well, who is left? Kyle Richards. Well, I, I just, it's this whole thing of Kyle seeing herself as the person who has to move the story along, and I guess in the same way, Rinna sees herself as that person. But they're being given, you know, carte blanche. Like, they're being given this power by the editors and producers. Once again, I just go back to that scene that occurred five minutes into this episode where the two of them are at a fake lunch to talk about nothing. They literally, their screen time is two minutes and 50 50 seconds. Why did they even get that? Like, why did Rina get a thing where it's like, we see her first you know why did we get her title card and her outfit before that scene it was not even a scene it was a blip and it was also a blip where for the first time I understood how Kathy Hilton saw Garcelle saw Kyle when she looked at Garcelle because I too thought initially that Rina was meeting for lunch with Garcelle and was like that's different only to realize it was Kyle. <laughs> Moshi, much like Kathy Hilton, you need to get your prescription. Oh my checked. god, I might. The way that I like sent you a voice note straight after it, because I mean, dear listeners, what happened is I didn't see Kyle walking into the frame of the shot. I only saw her back, and from the back, I saw that luscious curls some a, a somewhat shapely bootay um and i thought that that was garcelle and it was when she took her mask off to speak to rina and it was kyle Oof, i was shook <laughs> i just want to say i went back to the timestamp you provided and i was like just delusion no you can't see it once somebody's explained it to you but like I'm gonna be really honest Kyle has so much hair over the front of her face right when she's wearing a mask like you can't see anything underneath it her and Garcelle dress very similarly Garcelle often wears um like Kyle wears a lot of pants right she's she's not someone who wears a lot of dresses so when you see somebody coming in in like a pink power suit with all of those curls I can see and like the face is hidden behind a mask I get how you saw Kyle like I get how Kathy saw Kyle she saw Garcelle also no she was Garcelle but she saw Kyle she thought Garcelle was Kyle But you saw Kyle and thought it was Garcelle. Uh, exactly. Because they just, the, if you're looking at just the figures with the mask, the hair and the outfits, trust me, I get it now. Anyway, we're just going to talk about, we're going to go around in circles on this. Um, but yeah, once again, for me, that's the thing that's really frustrating. What I will give Lisa Rinna and Harry's 70th birthday props for is the introduction of Diana Jenkins. Yes, um, but I think, like, let's do, a, like, a proper deep dive on Diana in a sec. Let's just talk about, at this dinner, the the drama that starts, which we weren't going to start any drama, but the ladies have decided, I mean, sudden in her very awkward way of <laughs> acknowledging that she was lucky to be there 
Um, not for the fact that she had been held at hostage three days earlier, but that Lisa could have revoked her invitation based on the Watch What Happens Live drama where she says that she paid for Lisa Rinna's ticket to the Elton John charity gala. I mean, this whole thing is, like, such a mess. And again, like, Lisa Rinna should just be happy that Sutton is giving her some airtime. So I agree with you that, like, it's great because it gives Lisa Rinna an issue and a cause. But can I just say that was the first time I think in the history of Housewives that anyone has delivered a really sincere apology without being told to. Sutton didn't have to say that, but she humbled herself. And the thing is, I knew that as soon as she apologised, fucking Lisa Rinna was not going to accept the apology. Like, it had, it would have been one thing for Sutton to come out there and give a half-ass apology, but Sutton, in you're absolutely right, in her awkwardness and her quirkiness, gave a real apology. She said it. She said, I fucked up. She took own it. She owned it, as Rinna would say. She took her accountability. She says that she said the wrong thing. She acknowledges that that's not something that she does very often because to speak to Rinna, she does pride herself on having manners and not speaking out of turn about people. And she acknowledges she made a slip up and she said the words, I'm sorry. She didn't say, I apologize, which a lot of these people like to say. She said, I'm sorry. And Lisa Rinna was like, I'm not going to accept your apology. I was like, oh, why? Why? But you know who sees everything? They see each other. Garcelle. Garcelle. Yeah. The way that she is watching Lisa Rinna that whole time. And I, like, you know, unfortunately we got to the point where we had to bring the receipts out of the handbag because sudden, like, God bless her, she's brought the receipts <laughs> The literal receipt. Because she knew that Lisa wasn't going to accept her apology. Um, and the way that Gus was like, this is your moment. Like, it is now or never. Like, you're not t- bringing up these receipts in three weeks' time again. Like, you do it now or you don't do it at all. Yeah. Um, I really... And then Erica Jane was also like, yeah, show them. But I do want to say that in this scene, Erica Jane, just despicable. Let's talk about that in a second. Garcelle also, where she was like, I'm standing up. I'm going to leave because this is actually just the most stupidest, like, fight that we're having right now, given that Sutton has given authentic apology. Like, I'm done here. Like, I'm leaving. And the way that, like, that changes. I really love Garcelle, that she is, I feel like, so much more in control now than in her early days i, I agree feel like she knows that like if she just walks off like production's not going to be happy and other housewives like you know it's not going to work so i like that and you know what garcelle the network loves her too because who was at the upfronts it was garcelle true i also think though garcelle the reason why we're seeing garcelle more self-assured like we've seen a gradual growth garcelle has gone through it with these women right she's had um you know kyle accuse her of not paying for a charity she's had erica jane like completely throw her under the bus and the public 
loves her. The public sees through all the bullshit. And what's happened now is Garcelle has a duty to her fans to be the person who maintains the truth, right? Because we've kind of bestowed that upon her. And she is just taking it, she's taking the torch and running with it for us, her people. I just hope that the burden does not become too heavy for that one woman to bear. Well, I think that's why having her friend come on the show is going to be the thing that changes it. Um, But I do just want to say, like, EJ from the wings with her little chirping and then her and, and Sutton, like, really getting into it, that was insane. I mean, Erica clearly has some unresolved feelings from the reunion because the reunion was shot. If if Dorito was held hostage three days ago, the reunion was like 10 days ago. Like, yeah. it is a very short timeline. Um, yeah, it's petty. It's gross. It wasn't cute. And But, like, this is just the feud continues, right? Like, this is just going to be another thing this season. But then I think the funny side was it, like if we talk about Garcelle holding people accountable and being this truth bearer, is Garcelle then also diffuses the EJ of it all and they have like this really playful exchange where Erica Jane really talks about the fact that she was winding Sutton up for the fun of it. And I think we know from the, well, we know from her tagline and we know from I guess what we've seen in the trailers that this is potentially going to inform a, a lot of her of Erica Jane's behavior um, throughout the rest of the series. This, like, she, you know, when Erica first joined, she was really quiet. She would just have little bursts, and she's had some interesting personalities um, over the course of the show. Like we can recall when her and Dorit were feuding over the underwear, you know what I mean? Like so many little things have happened, but even just seeing her at the table at dinner and saying to um, Rina, you haven't introduced me to your friend, like that actively wanting to engage with Diana Jenkins and even just the way in her confessional that she spoke about Diana you know, we're seeing this other loud side to Erica Girardi. Perhaps what we're actually seeing is Erica Jane not on the stage, but now out in real life, that character. I I would say what I saw when she was talking about Diana Jenkins and the Erica Jenkins of it all is oh, jealousy. the fact that, not jealousy, it's like, she wants that lifestyle and she will marry anyone to get it. And if she has to marry Diana Jenkins or have a threesome with her and her oh, partner or that. anything, she, she's in. She, that, cause that's what she aspires to. That's what she wants now. Um, but let's talk about Diana Jenkins. Well, How can, many? Yes. Can I just say, I too aspire to be Diana Jenkins. Well, I was about to ask you, Moshi. How many diamonds are you given? Diana Jenkins. Ten and a half. Wow. The way I know I'm going to hate her in like by the end of the season because that's just the way it is. But I liked what I I did as well. Um, I think she came in strong and she wasn't afraid to get in it either because as Sutton and Lisa are like going at each other, 
Diana's there being like, this is not classy. But then you know what I loved was when Crystal then comes in and is like, wait, Diana, isn't this your charity that they're talking about? (laughs) Is that the bit that you like? Because I liked how quickly Rinna changed her tune and the fact that when they cut to Kyle in the confessional, Kyle is like, I'll have you know, Rinna also came with her receipts, which is Diana Jenkins. And how quickly Rinna was like, yeah, we don't do receipts. Like, this is not classy. As soon as that, because I could tell instantly when Rinna just was like, don't bring out the receipts. When Diana was like, this is not classy. While she played with salt on the table and scooped it up. You best believe I watched every little thing Diana Jenkins did. I was like, and this is why Rinna is so fake. So, so fake. Um, I mean, I thought it was like an interesting who who was like made that comment as well that they're like, oh, so this is why she brought Diana Jenkins. Like, I don't think Kyle. Brought, I don't think she brought Diana Jenkins just because like of this Elton John gala drama. No, like, of course it's not. Ridiculous. The the thing that these women try to make me believe. Um, but it is interesting that she's obviously a long term friend of Lisa but she's a more recent friend of Crystal, um, and I think she has more of a relationship with Crystal than she does Lisa Runa, to be honest. Well, I think it's... So, once again, Patrizio, I went (laughs) into that dimension (laughs) that I go to. Here we go, the IMDb here. (laughs) My third eye has made an observation about Lisa Runa. And now I will say this, that... Harry Hamlin has, over the last couple of years, had, like, a bit of a renaissance and, you know, they've never not been working, whatever. But it goes without saying that they were. there was a time where they were a Hollywood golden couple and to many they probably still are because they're one of the few relationships that's lasted, you know, 30-plus years they've been together, right? It's insane. And I truly commend that. But I think that they they they're obviously not as wealthy I think now as a lot of these other housewives are they're not nouveau riche or whatever and so I think it speaks to that is possibly the reason why Lisa Rinna doesn't hang out as much with Diana Jenkins anymore they now run in slightly different circles um I thought it was also telling of this Elton John charity event that they have been invited for years which means that they have never probably not in a while anyway purchased an actual ticket for this they've probably been like you know even just thinking about how Lisa Rinna says that the that her publicist or whatever organized for them to do an interview or something with one of the sponsors and then they would get to sit at the sponsor's table. I think there is, you know, I mean, that's, this is one of the things that happens, I guess, in this social world. And I watch a lot of these ridiculous reality shows, but there is for people who maybe are kind of that older money or have a bit of prestige, if you will, they can still walk through these communities and not really spend the sort of money that say somebody like Dorit who has kind of had to purchase their way into it, right? Um, even to some degree, you know, um, one of the, Garcelle is not 
as rich as some of these women, but she also has a prestige that comes with her career and her whole and her background. You know, whereas someone like Crystal is incredibly rich, but apparently is more relatable still than Diana Jenkins. And the fact that Crystal says that her life is not relatable, like she knows, like she's up there. So for me, that is where, and and the other reason why I said that as well is I also, this is so horrible, but I also think the reason that Lisa Rinna threw such a small party for Harry Hamlin is that I don't think she has the bucks to go all out and throw a huge party. I don't think she does. Not to throw like the kind of extravagant party that Kyle would throw for Mauricio at their house. Like I don't think they have that kind of money anymore. And I think she's very frugal with her money. Well, look, I don't know. You like, you hate Lisa Rinna, but you spend a lot of time talking about her. Let's talk about Jenkins. Well, I'm talking about Diana Jenkins in relation to why her and Rinna are not friends anymore. And I talk a lot about Lisa Rinna because I like bullshit. Like, I love Beverly Hills. I love tabloids. I love all of the extraness of it. Well, Diana Jenkins, we get a lot of information. She actually got, like, a quite a considerable, like, intro scene, I felt, after this um, dinner party for Harry. Um, I felt like it went for forever, but it wasn't that long. That's because um, of her status. Well, she she was with Kim Kardashian in Paris when Kim was also hell of hostage. Yeah. She's friends with Elton John for many years and, like, helps run the charity from the sounds of it. Um, she has six houses in... No, there's more than six, trust me. In multiple continents. I mean, she's got this fucking hot partner, boyfriend, husband. I don't know what he is, but he is like, I mean, I thought he was a lot younger than what he is as well. Like, because like. uh, (laughs) Well, the beard, well, the beard didn't fool you. Well, if he had no beard, I would be like, I think he would be like 19. I thought he looked good. Like, as far as like, like he's up there now. Well, I'm into them as a couple. I would also attend that threesome. Yeah, I get that. But part of that is well as well is why I aspire to the Diana Jenkins lifestyle. Like the way I'm haven't even had my first husband yet. I should be on my second at this point. Like I'm very disappointed in myself. But it's fine because as Diana Jenkins can prove, you can also have a child at 47 or whatever. I mean, that is wild to me as well that she's just had a baby. I mean, that baby is like a year old. That was obviously her. That was how she spent lockdown because she couldn't fly to all of her different homes. She just stayed at home and made a baby. You really think she couldn't? No, I think it was quite difficult. You know, Sutton can't even get her get her designer in from Paris Moshi. Where but but this is a woman who has multiple citizenships, okay, trust me. And she has her own jet. This woman could go wherever the fuck she wants to go, trust me. Well it was her lockdown project. Some of us learnt to play the guitar. Diana Jenkins had a child. <laughs> I love Diana Jenkins because I realized that I think there are a lot of characters on television throughout the years who are based on her. <laughs> I, 
I, I, I mean, I, I think there's also like historically she, she represents a type of ideal, but seeing her, I was like, oh, I think like I've never seen her specifically on a television show or anything, but her energy I have definitely felt on other shows. And just even the way the women were all talking about her, it was very like Gatsby-esque. It was like, oh, Diana Jenkins, have you heard about Diana? You know, not be like that whole thing. Like she is at the top of the food chain. And she is going to make her presence felt. Of course, because there's nothing better than a European woman who has nothing to lose. And I will go further by saying the Bosnian, like she, she is going to, I mean, I would be careful. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I'm scared of her, but I'm just scared of her because she is so, do you know what it is? She is being authentically herself. Like everything that we're seeing is who she really is. It's, it's like in a weird way, it's the sort of thing that we loved about Esther D right on, on Cheshire. Like she was insane, but it's like true to who she is. And when you can be, when you can be that rich and speak about it in a way that is so matter of fact, that it doesn't sound like, it doesn't sound gross. Like, when she was like, oh, I like her accent. <laughs> That's Sutton's accent. And we also know that Sutton doesn't shy away from how rich she is and talking about money. But, you know, Diana, you know, when Carl's talking about her Cartier rings, because that's exactly what Kyle did to Sutton when she first became friends with Sutton, right? And we saw it again. But this time we saw somebody just like throwing her rings across the table and being like, well, you know, when you are poor one minute and then the next minute you're rich, it's just nouveau riche, honey. Like it was, it was like, she's fucking owning it. Like she's never going to let you hold against her who she is and how she became who she is. Like you can't take it away from her. And I think with a lot of these other women, they that's the thing is that they always feel like they're being threatened. You can't threaten Diana Jenkins. I think if anyone should have gotten a dangerous tagline, it should have been Diana Jenkins. Yeah, but I, I don't think she even needs the tagline. She's just, she really is the articulating fabulous. And I think we've potentially also hit the richest housewife, right? You think so? Yeah, she's she got two hundred and fifty million out of her divorce, and that's only just like one part of it. I'm sure there's still some residuals, and oh, the yeah, divorce was on her. Board and the and the homes that she got to keep and the cars and the, well, I I suspect that a lot of it has been like yes, it was his money, but. Or, but it's, you know, the money they accumulated over their time together. You know, they did have children and, and she raised – her kids seem really cool. She has, like, a really good vibe. And for me, it's, like – it sounds to me like her divorce was also on her terms. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, she was like, I wasn't happy. I just wanted to be independent. Like, even the reason that she can have such a younger man in her life 
and just like live her life is because she's not beholden on anyone. She doesn't need a man to fulfill certain other requirements. So she can literally just be with somebody for the sake of being in love. You know what I mean? And that's what Erica Jane doesn't have. That's what Sutton, that's what Sutton is like aspiring to still. Her son is really hot as well. Oh, very hot. Thank God he's 22 because we're allowed to mention it. I mean, beautiful. Um, well, Moshi, this section by talking about how this episode came to a close because Kyle attends Sutton's shop to discuss the fact that she was with Sutton's weird behaviour a few days earlier, which, I mean, look, we, we all agree that it was quirky, Sutton's vein of being quirky, um, but how did you feel about Sutton's explanation being that, you know, she has had a tumultuous relationship with guns herself and that's why she couldn't process what had happened to Dorate and discuss openly? Well, I think last week I told you that I 100% believe that um, Sutton had blacked out. Like, But was it because of the gun, the gun trauma? Was that why? So after her explaining, like she did a shit job of explaining it, but her talking about like her dad's suicide and how that happened and I guess I just think I just don't think that Sutton is that unempathetic. I think because it it, it is not, um, and here we are, you know, projecting how we believe somebody should act in society. This is very Camus. This is very existentialist. But she did not react the way that we would expect someone to react. And because she reacted so way in the opposite way the only way that I can rationalize it is that and and only because of other things I've seen about Sutton I don't think she's a heartless person I don't think she's unempathetic I I have to for me to make sense of it I have to believe that that she is blocking it out of her mind like she is will willfully not even wanting to acknowledge it do you get what I mean yeah, I, and I, I think, think that that's due to a trauma. I think that she definitely like at the dinner, she you know she brought up you know how she had had that drama, and you know it definitely was it the right time and place, perhaps not, but like she kind of just like felt the moment and ran with it, and it results in this really awkward like preamble, and then like getting to the point, and it kind of felt the same with like. It was kind of like, yeah, that's really sad. Anyway, like, back to what I came in, like, to this scene with my mind of how it was going to go. Um, I think, you know, not to say that she's actively wants to avoid the drama. I think she just, in her mind, is like, okay, this is, like, what I want to talk about today. And then can't, can't, she can't be derailed. I just don't know if I believe that she's that into herself. Look, I mean, all these women are into themselves. No, no, I I agree with you. But I just, for me, I don't believe that she's that into herself. I I do believe that, like, 
even if the situation had happened to Garcelle, who's like her closest friend, I think that we we might have got a different reaction, but I think at the core of the reaction would have been Sutton being unable to confront it. Like having to confront. So what I will say is that she is potentially making it all about herself because she can't remove her own feelings or whatever it is that affects her when she thinks about a gun. Like I'm thinking like her having to think about the image of Garcelle being held, uh, not Garcelle, sorry, of Dorit being held at gunpoint potentially makes her have to kind of relive her father killing himself, right? Like there is, she's perhaps unable to make that distinction. Like we we won't know, but I think she tried to explain that when she was talking to Kyle. I also think that when she was talking to Kyle, she says that she has like no recollection of behaving that way as well. And I'd said that last week. I just, I literally think she blanks out. Like I think something happens. She goes into the dimension, Patrizio, and she she doesn't even know that it's happened and she has to the only way that she knows how to not acknowledge something is to change the subject and sometimes when you just have to go change the subject you you just talk about bullshit well moshi i think it's time for me to try and find this dimension that y'all keep traveling to you don't want to go there patrizio trust me you you're gonna have to open up so many of your eyes, and it is scary. Well, Moshi, um, next week, thank God, New Jersey is over. Yeah, if we're not around next week, there's nothing wrong with your with your app where you find your podcast. We've just maybe taken the break, and then we'll be back the week after. I love that. But it means that the week after, when we come back, we're going to be talking about The Real Housewives of Atlanta, The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, and the Real Housewives of Dubai. So get your stamina back, honey, because we are talking a lot of housewives. Well, and Moshi, and then two weeks after that, we'll have Ultimate Girls Trip, the ex-wives club. Can't wait to figure out how we pack in 700 hours of housewives into a podcast. Should be interesting. Well, in the meantime, everyone... Uh, we encourage you to rate, review, and subscribe, and follow us on the Instagram at From the Lower Level Pod, and join us for more shenanigans next time. Bye. Bye.